Hey friends, I hope you're staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. You ever see something on the street and wonder how it got there? A lot of stuff uh, I've seen on the street over the years makes sense, like CDs, for instance. Not so much anymore, but there was a time when every car came with a CD player, and it wasn't uncommon to be walking down a somewhat busy street, and you'd see a compact disc that you'd guessed must have been either thrown out of a car window by the driver, for whatever reason, or, more likely, the CD was tossed by an unruly passenger. I don't see them on the street much these days, but whenever I'd see a CD in a gutter, I used to say to myself, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, some same thing goes for, like, cigarette butts, uh, paper napkins, vape cartridges, pens, cans, bottles, apple cores, you get the idea. Things that might typically be used by somebody in a car that had, for whatever reason, exhausted their usefulness and just got chucked out of the window. Anyway, earlier this week, I was walking my dog down a somewhat busy street, and I used a retractable leash. I, I like to give my dog, Lola, some freedom, so, so I'd let the leash out, and she was walking a good distance in front of me, maybe 12 or 13 feet ahead of me, and and she stopped and was suddenly very interested in something on the side of the road. So I quickly caught up with her to find she'd discovered an open-faced ham sandwich on the street. And I'm going to have to stop my story right here and admit something I don't like to admit, because it makes me look like an idiot. But, but when we first rescued Lola about a year and a half ago, and if while I was walking her she found food on the street, you're going to hate me for this, but I, I just let her eat it. I know! I know! I know! I quickly found out that that some dogs, maybe most dogs, will eat anything, including things that will make them sick. And you should never, never let your dog eat anything they find on the street. Anyway, back to my story. So I'm walking my dog, Lola, and I see she's happened upon an open-faced ham sandwich, and now I have to pull her away from it while also trying to get what she's taken into her mouth out. It was not fun. Uh, fortunately, I had gloves on, so I didn't have to touch the street meat with my bare hand, but it was still a disgusting ordeal. And I'm yelling, no, no! You know, and we never feed Lola from the table, so she's just discovered something amazing. And she does not want to be torn away from this discovery. But within seconds, I'm able to pull her away from the street sandwich, and I'm able to get most of what was in her mouth out. And then for the rest of the week, I find myself wondering... How the hell an open-faced ham sandwich ended up on the side of the street? I mean, if it had been on the plate, I'd have thought it was a trap, you know what I mean? Because if somebody threw this thing from a car window, it landed perfectly, with the meat on top of whatever condiments were under it, on top of the bread. Truly remarkable. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of this show. My name is Andy Mascola. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you love what you hear. I'll tell you what you can expect. Oftentimes I'll speak with an interesting, creative person. Sometimes it's just me speaking to you. Lately we've had the good fortune of friends of the podcast contributing segments. And I love these segments because they'll often be about things that I don't have much knowledge of. And these wonderful folks who are giving us their time to produce material for People Are the Enemy are helping this podcast make it that much more richer in experience. And I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, speaking of richer, I should mention there are no ads on this podcast. There never have been. And there's no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life a great novel, 
please consider purchasing one or two of my books. I'm the author of nine works of fiction that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. If you like ebooks but you don't use Amazon, you can find all nine of my novels in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, which is spelled M A S C O L A. That's how you find me on Google Play. If you're strictly paperback but you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my stories in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. bn.com if you're tight on time. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. This is episode 218 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. You've chosen a great one. Today our guest is WFMU's music director and host of the show Radio Ravioli, Olivia Bradley Skill. Now, for mo folks who do not know, WFMU is the longest-running free-form radio station in the United States. FMU is a listener-supported, non-commercial radio station broadcasting out of Jersey City, New Jersey, to New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM, and to the Hudson Valley and environs via 90.1 FM. The station also maintains an extensive online presence at WFMU.org, which includes live audio streaming in several formats. Now, all of the station's programming is controlled by individual DJs and is not beholden to any type of station-wide playlist or rotation schedule. WFMU does not accept underwriting or corporate sponsorships. The station's primary source of support comes from listener contributions made during their annual on-air fundraising marathons. Now, this year's two-week marathon takes place from Monday, March 7th through Sunday, March 20th. And you can pledge your support to WFMU online by going to pledge.wfmu.org. Now, you'll find a link to that in the description of this podcast episode. Right now, though, I want to speak with our guest. I want to speak with, I want to speak with Olivia. So let me get Olivia on the phone here. Hello, Olivia. Are you there? Hey, Andy. Hey. Thank you so much for joining me. This is really special. I know. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Oh, right on, right on, Olivia. Right now, it's a it's it's a very must be a very busy time for you, and I I, I really appreciate you making time to talk with us, listeners. We're recording this this show on the Sunday before the start of WFMU's <laughs> two week marathon, and Olivia, as WFMU's music director, I'm sure has a lot of responsibilities heading into the station's March marathon. Would that would that be the case, Olivia? Yeah, it's been crazy. We we give away prizes on the marathon to um, just kind of incentivize people to give in the moment and give another reason why people should pledge. And so my job during the fundraiser is to organize this for everyone. So in the days leading up to it, I'm just getting like 
prize requests and list upon list and dealing with our database and it's crazy. <laughs> Do you have to have like a familiarity with the programming on the show to know like which prizes would fit in with the, the, the programs? Or is it a little bit, but it's even crazier than that. Basically everyone submits to me like the wish list and I send out a gigantic list of everything we got in from labels donate these to us. So we get like thousands of items <laughs> donated to us from labels and then um, everybody chooses like what they want, what their priorities are, and then what their alternates are if they can't get what they wanted. So then I have to kind of juggle everything and create a diagram of what is available. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Does this, is this something that you have to have completed before the, the marathon starts or do you find you're, you're, you're doing it as the, the days progress into the marathons? I try to have it ready before it's only there's just some stragglers who aren't done yet but especially like the Monday people they have to be done and they want to have a few days to prep and know what they're giving away um but if you're on later in the week I guess it's okay if you don't know yet um but I try to get everyone done also FMU has many streams now we have our rock and soul stream and Sheena's jungle room stream and the drummer stream and so I also have to help them out and they're all on different schedules so I want to give them everything too. Wow, that's a lot to be responsible <laughs> yeah. for. It's not only a 24-hour schedule, but it's two other 24, three other 24-hour schedules. My goodness. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's, it's fun. And I mean, for the most part, everyone can get what they want. Um, and all the prizes are really amazing. So it's even if you don't get your number one choice, if you got your alternate, you're still giving away like this really glamorous <laughs> record LP or CD. So um, it's really fun, but it is a lot of work. Very cool. Very cool. Olivia, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back and I, I wanted to ask you, when when did you first become interested in radio and realized you wanted to be on the air? Yeah, I got involved with radio in college. So I did college radio. Um, I went to Princeton and I was involved at WPRB, Princeton's radio station. And it was a really, I had a really awful time in college <laughs> being at an Ivy League school. It was really like a shock to my system. But um, being involved with the station really saved me during that time and gave me confidence. And I, in a lot of ways, I was really unconfident in college and really just sh shook by the whole experience. So um, college radio was like a haven for me. And that's when I found out about FMU and you know, being in New Jersey, another New Jersey station that was crazy and grown up and um, fun and doing doing what we wanted to be doing, what we hoped we were doing was really exciting. Do you remember the first time you heard WFMU? Do you remember what it was that was playing? I think it was Ken's show, station manager Ken's show. And I didn't really get it. I was over my head. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Because he's so crazy and weird. <laughs> yeah, he's got some. He's got some very, very uh, unique programming at times. But it's amazing. I mean, so having that be like my introduction to the station and what it could be was like, oh wow, this is really weird, and it doesn't have to make sense. And um, I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. How did you happen to to get your first job at at WFMU? Yeah, I. So I, I started volunteering like five years ago, um, and I just, so I guess I should step back. At PRB, my college station, we had an educational advisor who kind of grew up there 
in Princeton, in Trenton, and his name is Mike Lupica, and he was involved with FMU for a decade or so. And so he had gone, he grew up in Trenton, moved to P- moved to w- FMU, and then moved back to PRB, and he would just talk about FMU and, you know, like, kind of told us what radio could be and inspired us about it. So anyway, he told me to go volunteer at FMU when I moved to New York. And um, so I started volunteering there. And then I kind of got a show in like this random way. And um, (laughs) should I go into that? Well, you know, I'm just kind of curious. I know a lot of folks have some some, uh, unique responsibilities at WFMU when they first start volunteering. What, What were some of your responsibilities when you were volunteering? Yeah, I was helping out with the marathon, actually. We have a lot of issues with our database and our, we're all like, we do everything in-house. So we had like issues trying to make everything connect back then. So um, I was helping volunteer at nighttime. I would come in at midnight and just like tally things up all until the early morning at 9 a.m. when Ken would arrive. So that was my first, like, real thing that I was doing. I was also helping out with the swag room and, you know, putting together mail packages. Um, Wake and Bake had also just started. That's our morning drive time show. So I was helping kind of burn, digitize albums for him to play on that show. Um, so I was kind of just helping out with a bunch of random things. And then a couple of years into being there, the position for the music director opened up and then I decided to apply and that's what happened. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Now you mentioned, you mentioned your show and I, I mentioned at the beginning of, uh, with the intro, your show is called Radio Ravioli and you said you sort of happened to fall into it. How did you, how did you happen to fall into that? Was that, was that soon after you started volunteering? Yeah. So I had just volunteered and then I knew right away I wanted to submit a demo. I was really you know, I was listening to FMU, but I was kind of like unaware and naive and just like, I want to be on the air. I want to be involved. So I immediately submitted a demo. And then this guy who's actually a friend, but he overslept his show from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And if that happens, you just automatically lose your show because oh my God. it's a no show, basically. Yeah. So he um, lost his show and then a week after I submitted the demo, Ken was like, oh, I actually have an opening, something opened up. Can you do this show? And I almost didn't do it because 3 a.m. sounded really late. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But I said yes. And um, I didn't know how rare that was that someone oversleeps for their show. That hasn't happened since I've been there. So it kind of felt like this kismet thing. And um, I felt really like, oh my God, I'm in the right place at the right time. <laughs> Very cool. Right on. So was that 3 a.m.? So it was 3 a.m. to 6 a.m.? Yeah, I did that for a couple of years. Holy and it moly. Was, it was really hard. And I, I was bet. working a bunch of jobs, trying to, you know, a bunch of part-time jobs because I couldn't have a full-time job because it was 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Did, now, now, soon after that, the... The position for music director came up and you applied for that and you got that? Yeah, I had moved to a different time slot by then. But yeah, soon after that, um, the music director position opened up. And again, it kind of just felt like the right time, the right place, the right time. Like um, I was doing all these jobs so that I could be at FMU more. I was trying to just have a very flexible life because FMU was the place I loved to be. So I was, 
had a lot of free time basically. <laughs> and I was also like getting really unhealthy with my health because I was working so much and not getting paid a lot. Like just my, my life was crazy trying to make FMU a big part of my life. So I thought it was, I was so grateful like to get the position because I really, that's where I wanted to be more than anywhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. Now as, as WFMU's music director, Olivia, you're responsible for researching new music, radio, and books, as well as you maintain the station's extensive library of physical media that goes back over 40 years. And incredibly, you're also responsible for, for curating WFMU's guest DJ hour, Radio Row. How did, yes. you, how did you happen to take on this responsibility? That's a big responsibility. Well, the, with Radio Row, um, we had a version of this before called the Listener Hour, which um, was basically what it sounds like every week and for an hour each week. We would give the, you know, a, a listener could be behind the board and play whatever they wanted to play. And we stopped doing that because it was run by a volunteer and it was just way too much work for them. And it was just hard to coordinate logistically. I know that now doing Radio Row. <laughs> it's a lot of time to coordinate everything. So, um, but with with COVID and with um, Black Lives Matter and protests and, you know, I think there was just this awareness of the station of how we had a lot of soul searching in the summer of 2020 of how we could be better serving the community and how, how we could welcome people in more and have space for people to be on the air without being on the schedule. Um, so that's what spurred the idea of Radio Row. And listeners can do it, but also people who are involved at other community stations or or who, you know, love music but have never tried radio. Um, so it's kind of just a different version of that, but new and improved and <laughs> um, kind of shifted focus a little bit. Very cool. And so have you been res the sole person responsible for Radio Row since it started back up at WFMU? Yeah, pretty much. I get recommendations from people, and those are always welcome. Um, other DJs on staff recommend people, um, and then I, you know, try to put calls out to people and see if they have people they can recommend. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty much me just organizing everything each week. Good for you. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, but I love it because I think I am really passionate about getting new people involved and we've had a lot of people who are on the air right now they did radio row just in the last year or two um covid kind of it, it made it hard like some people moved because of covid so they left the area and they could no longer do their show um so we had a lot of change in the last year or two so it's been helpful to fill in some of those gaps with people who did radio row but um I, don't, I just love hearing new voices, new approaches to radio, and this kind of gives me an excuse to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Olivia, as mentioned, your, your, show on, your show on WFMU is called Radio Ravioli, and your show can be heard every Monday from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you know, three hours is a lot of radio time, Olivia. How much time do you spend preparing for your show before Monday? versus maybe time spent finding music on the day of the show? It changes all the time. It's hard to answer that question, but I spend a lot of time prepping for it. But then sometimes, you know, I, <laughs> I deal with our library and every week pretty much we add new music into our library. So in a way I'm kind of always like 
researching stuff or, or learning about new stuff to new music releases. Um, so a lot of my spent is just, sorry, a lot of my time spent is, <laughs> is figuring out what's going to be in the library. And that informs like what I know is out there, what I'm going to play, what, it, what I'm excited about. And then on the day of, I try to just um, fill it in with maybe things from our library. We have this huge library and I really like to use it as a resource to learn more about music. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I spend at least three hours in the day of just getting things together. Um, and then I don't know outside of that a few hours here and there. Very cool. Very cool. Where did the name radio ravioli come from? How did you come up with that? So ravioli is actually the letters of my name plus an R. Ah. And I was coming up with names that just sounded really like super serious and and artsy and kind of too self. I don't know. It's just like awful sounding every name I could come up with. So this my friend is really into anagrams, and he started just pulling letters of my name together and came up with that, and it just sounded more fun. Um, I am like kind of like weirdo artsy, but ultimately it's really creative and fun and I try to be playful and have a sense of humor. So I think it kind of captures that. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Olivia, as you know, one of the special happenings that, that transpires on air during the WFMU marathons, as you mentioned, are the prize giveaways. Another special happening on air during the marathons is the DJ team ups, which I always look forward to. Now, do you know, yeah. do you know who you're going to be paired up with? For your team ups for this year's two week marathon? Yeah. For my show tomorrow, I'm going to be with Darren, who has a show on Saturday nights. And he's like kind of comes from the comedy world. He's super funny and outgoing and like loud. So I'm excited about that. And Michelle with 1L is going to be on my show the week after that. And I'll be co hosting for Matt Warwick, who is a DJ, but he's also my boyfriend. So that's fun to talk. <laughs> it's fun to talk to him. And um, Evan Funk Davies, I'll be on his show too. And I'm a big fan of his show. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Well, I'll look forward to all of those. Excellent. Excellent. Olivia, I just had one more question. You know, marathons are one way WFMU makes money. And another way in the past has been by hosting an annual record show that takes place in April. Now, last year, I, I don't know about the year before last, but I know at least last year the record show didn't happen due to COVID. Will, will WFMU's April record show be happening this year? It's not. It's the ah. third year. So we didn't do it in 2020. We didn't do it in 2021. And this is the third year without doing it. We had to... We had to say back in November to the venue, we usually do it at the Brooklyn Expo Center, and we had to say back in November if we thought we could do it or not, and things were just too up in the air at that point to put anything down, so we just decided to go without it. Um, it's really hard. Like, I really love the record fair, and it's a big event for us. It's a big fundraiser for us. It's also just like a time where everyone is together and it's a big community event, but it's also like a huge global event. Like people fly into the record fair from Tokyo, from Europe, from the other side of the country. So it just seemed like kind of the epitome of what you're not supposed to do in COVID. So it's really hard, but we had to go without it this year, but we want to do it again soon. 
Very cool. Well, if anything, if anything, listeners, I, I should say this probably increases the importance of of pledging to WFMU in their two week marathon again, which happens beginning. If you're listening to this show on the day it comes out, happens today, March seventh. So head over to WFMU.org and and make your pledge there. And there's some some great swag that you can pick up. And uh, obviously, I, I encourage you to check out all the programming on WFMU, but especially our guest Olivia's uh, show, Radio Ravioli. Olivia, this has been so much fun, and it's been so special. Thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. No problem. No, thanks for asking me to be on. I love talking about FMU radio, and thanks for indulging me. Awesome, awesome. Is there anything that, that you wanted to promote before before we say goodbye? I guess I would just say my show, Radio Ravioli and Radio Row, which you will be on in April. Oh, thanks um, for mentioning that. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my two favorite shows on FMU. <laughs> very, very cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn things over to uh, Rachel's Chart Chat with Rachel Hathaway. Here it is. Take it away, Rachel. Hi, this is Rachel from Des Moines, back with another edition of Rachel's Chart Chat. Thanks to everyone for listening last week, especially Tony, who let me know that he liked Bobby Sue as a little guy, too. Who knew the Oak Ridge Boys were so popular with the toddler set? Our 1970s chart this week comes from February 24th, 1973. I think I've talked a little bit about the AT40 hashtag that gets going on Twitter on Saturdays during the 11 o'clock airing. I guess it's 12 Eastern, 11 Central, 10 Mountain, 9 Pacific of the AT40 of the week. And I was posting in the tag before I knew it was kind of an organized thing just because I thought people should be able to mute me if they weren't interested. But there's a whole bunch of people that are involved in it, and sort of the unofficial leader is this fellow Jeremy Morgan at Porpster, who will post the videos of every song as Casey plays or, you know, plays them. So you can follow along even if you don't have SiriusXM. So if you're interested in what I've been speaking about with some of these charts and you want to hear the songs, you can just follow along with that hashtag on Saturdays. So people in the tag were saying, wow, it seems like we don't have as many from 73. And me being the nerd that I am, I actually have a spreadsheet of what countdowns I've listened to. I've been tracking it since August of 2018. And oddly enough, there's a little less uh, 73 charts that have been played. The other years of the 70s all have 18 or 19 that's been played in that time. And this went from, we had 16 and now there's been 17 played. And even um, in addition to that, there's been no charts from December of 72 played in that era. So there, as I felt, there was some fairly highly charting songs this week that were unfamiliar to me. Before I get into the chart picks of 73, there's one song I want to mention. I didn't put it on the playlist. Uh, it's the Teddy Bear Song by Barbara Fairchild. It's one of the, it's a country song that crossed over into the pop charts just really sad. It really hit me in a way that surprised me. And the song, the lyrics are about... She wishes she had uh, button eyes and a felt nose. She wishes like she had no feelings just because her last romance ended badly and it just makes her feel so sad to even have feelings. So she wishes to be this inanimate object. And I suppose there's a little aspect of it that Teddy Bear is just loved and hugged and maybe she wishes she could be like that. But check, it's, it's very sad. I found it very moving. But for our actual chart picks, I've included... Funky Worm by the Ohio Players, 
I think everybody probably knows a couple Ohio Players songs. This one's just short and sweet, and they got a really fun effect for the worm, and definitely check it out. It reminds me of the grandma from Squidbillies. I also included uh, Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed, even though I feel like everybody knows that one. It's just kind of funny to hear it in the context of the pop charts. I also included Little Willie by Sweet, or as they were known then, The Sweet. This was a huge song on the 70s Saturday night program I listened to in the 90s. It, I feel like it got played almost every week. And the DJ that played all my school dances was G. Willie Entertainment. And so they would, that DJ would play it, or someone I suppose representing their service would play it at all of our dances. So that's a, that one really takes me back. It's just a lot of fun. Sweet is a power pop group. I think you might know them from Fox on the Run. Their stuff is worth checking out. Definitely look into uh, Desolation Boulevard by Sweet. Um, up next is The Message by Simand. Just kind of a cool, funky song. Another one of those I just don't know a lot about it. Didn't look anything up, but just like their sound. The next song is Love Jones by the group Brighter Shade of Darkness. And I include this one only because I did not know until I heard this song that the Cheech and Chong song Basketball Jones was a parody of this song. And it made you know, they were funny guys. So if they wanted to do a song about being addicted to basketball, I wasn't really going to question it. It was the kind of song that I would just hear older people, let's just say it, dudes walking around singing, I got a basketball Jones before I'd ever heard the whole song. I would just hear people sing that. So it's just like all these little pieces of puzzle are falling into place. Next up is also Sprock Zarathustra by Deodato. And this is just a cool version of the instrumental theme that was from 2001 a space odyssey and deodato oddly enough went on to produce cool in the gang and two of the songs he produced are going to be in our age chart and that song went to number two never made it to number one it stalled out at number two and there's another song this week that is at number two that would also get stuck there the which is dueling banjos and both of those are kept out of the top spot by roberta flax killing me softly with this song back to the picks I have Jambalaya on the Bayou by, quote, the Blue Ridge Rangers, which I think it, even at the time was pretty much known that that was John Fogarty. Uh, and apparently he was trying to distance himself from CCR. And last from 73, I chose Do It Again by Steely Dan at its peak of number six this week, which is it's always surprising to me that they have the success on the pop charts. And this is from their first album. So a little bit of a different sound, especially when you compare it to their later stuff like Asia, but I really like it. It's, it's a kind of a staple of classic rock radio, so maybe you already know it, but I, I think it's really good. For our 80s chart this week is from 1980, and since it's February 23rd, 1980, that's basically a 79 chart. And there are a lot of huge song, big songs on this chart that you know, and it was really hard to narrow it down. There's a lot of just straight head rock and roll or good rock and roll uh, music, as Adam Scott might say. Uh, we are firmly in the yacht era, and there's a lot of great R&B and funk on this chart. Uh, to Wits, we're starting off with Do You Love What You Feel by Rufus and featuring Shaka Khan. And I think whenever I first started hearing about Shaka Khan being nominated for the Rock Hall, I didn't really get it. I didn't know all of what she had put out and knowing more about what she did with the band Rufus, I definitely see uh, her stature and why she's worthy, you know, or deserves such honors. Uh, next up, our good old classic vanity pick, The Spirit of Radio by Rush. That was the first single from their uh, Permanent Waves album that came out in 1980. 
And I think that's an album that more rock fans should check out. I think for some reason, moving pictures is the one everybody goes to for trying to get people into rush, but permanent waves is really good too. And it has the similar shorter songs, just like moving pictures, spirit of Rado being one of them. Next up is keep the fire by Kenny Loggins. And that's from the album where he's holding kind of a glowing sphere, looking very mystical. Keep the fire is notable for people in the yacht rock fandom. They're seen as fire keepers. If you are interested in, in interested in preserving the spirit of Yacht Rock. Next up is a song called Computer Game Theme from the Circus by Yellow Magic Orchestra, and they were an experimental Japanese electronic band. And if you listen to nothing else, I say definitely check this out because I say that this is like going to be your drinking game line, but it sounds like nothing else on the chart. And I say that before, but it really applies to this Yellow Magic Orchestra song. And it hit top 20 on the UK singles chart and in the US R&B singles and just on our our Hot 100 it made it to number 60. Next up is another one that I think people pretty much know it's Gary Newman's Cars and that's such a good song that it gets claimed by the 70s and the 80s. A lot of these songs I think on this chart do you know they officially were released in 79 but maybe they gained more popularity in 80s so both decades kind of try to lay claim to them. Next up is Even It Up by Heart. Just a good rockin' tune from Heart. If you like their stuff, especially if you like their older sound, look into this one. It's pretty peppy. Next is Ride Like the Wind by Christopher Cross off his Smash album, self-titled, with the flamingo on the cover. The small flam- I guess I should say the one with the small flamingo in the circle versus the giant zoomed-in flamingo. I think maybe Sailing might be more popular or more known or maybe more memed, but Ride Like the Wind really rocks. It's really good. Uh, Next is I Want to Be Your Lover by Prince. And this is an early song for him. This is actually the third single that's been released by Prince and the first off of his second album. And I, for some reason, it feels like it's not quite in that Prince canon of songs that everybody knows. So if you've not heard this one, check it out. Next is a slower song called Let Me Go Love by Nicolette Larson with Michael McDonald. And when I first heard this song starting, I thought, oh, it's going to just be this boring ballad. But they really do some interesting things with it. And I think that is kind of a hallmark of the yacht sound is that they are making interesting arrangements in songs that might otherwise just be a, a slow ballad. And Nicolette Larson, is, her big hit was Lot of Love, but she has other, other good songs, too. And the last song I want to mention is Sarah by Fleetwood Mac. And when they introduced this song on the countdown, they gave the backstory of, I think that we all know of Fleetwood Mac kind of in the band members having these romances and breaking up and a lot of turmoil in the group. And I had forgotten about uh, Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood being a thing. And then he broke it off with her and got with Stevie's really close friend, Sarah. And they gave this intro and then I heard the song and it was one of those, wow, I guess I've never really listened to this. And I found it very emotional. So we're going to bookend our charts this week with just me crying and listening to music. But I just, for whatever reason, I just found it very moving and especially with knowing the backstory. But it's a really beautiful song. Give a listen if you haven't heard it in a while. Well, that's all the chart action this week. Uh, Thanks again for listening. You can follow me at rhadaway on Twitter. And uh, back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. I love that chart chat segment. You know, I had no idea Yellow Magic Orchestra made it into the U.S. charts. I had no idea. I had to look it up. Computer game. 
theme from the circus. It's a quirky song for sure, man. And it's hard to, it's, it's hard to understand how it broke through, but I'm kind of glad it did. You know, for folks who don't know, the composer, he's extremely famous now, uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto. That was his first band, uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra. It was a trio. And uh, obviously he went on to do much greater things in terms of, of scope uh, with his um, sound installations and uh, soundtracks and whatnot. Uh, but uh, I had no idea. Like, I knew of Yellow Magic Orchestra, but I had no idea they had that hit. Anyway, that's our show for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been episode 218 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Olivia Bradley Skill. Thank you, Rachel Hathaway. Do what you can for WFMU. We love you. Peace.